Bonjour, hello everybody. I hope you are ready for a great day. I am so excited about today. We are going to have a fantastic time in God's Word. And so if you brought a Bible, you can find Genesis 29. Uh, we are in week two of this series where we are looking at stories in the Bible where people are broken and bruised. People are in a season of great need in their lives. And then at just the right moment, God comes to their rescue. And here in Genesis 29, we are looking at the story of Jacob and Leah. And in the story of, of Jacob and Leah, uh, last week we, we saw how this, this story fits into the grand design of the narrative of God's plan in the Bible to rescue not just a single person and not just a group of people, but literally to rescue the entire world. And so it begins at the beginning of Genesis. It says in the very first chapter, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And he made this world beautiful and perfect and good. And he gave it to humans as a gift as we were created in his image so that we could rule over it. But then sin came into the world. And the Bible says that, that, that Adam and Eve had been told by God in the very beginning that the punishment for sin, the consequence for sin is what? Death. Everybody say death. Death. And so as sin entered the world, death resulted, and the Bible says that, that nature and creation has been crying out in agony ever since. Ever since that, 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 that the pain and the suffering and, and the disasters and, and the grief that we see in this world, so much of it comes back to the fact that the punishment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Everybody shout life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so here in Genesis, God reveals his plan to a man named Abraham. And God comes to Abraham and says, do you see all the pain and suffering in this world? Abraham, I have a plan. And my plan is going to involve your family. One of your descendants will be the Messiah, the savior of the world. And so with each generation, there will be a child who is born who is the chosen seed. And it was passed down from generation to generation until finally when the time is right and the fullness of time has come, a Messiah will be born, the Savior, the Anointed One, who will pay the price for our sin, which is what? Death. And give us the gift of eternal what? Life through the rescue of Jesus. And that is the entire story of the Bible in a nutshell. And so it began that with Abraham's children, among his children, Isaac was the chosen seed. And then in the next generation, God said that Jacob is to be the chosen seed, but a problem breaks out when Isaac chooses to bless and favor his son 
Esau over Jacob and all kinds of problems and fighting ensue. And, and Jacob finally gets fed up with it all and he runs off to a foreign land. He tries to run away from his family thinking that he can run away from his problems. But remember, he is still God's chosen seed. And so in Genesis chapter 29, Jacob starts working for a guy named named Laban. And let's read back through the whole story and then we'll come back and pick up where we left off last week. Genesis 29, beginning in verse 15. It says, now after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. And we talked about this Hebrew word for weak eyes last week, and basically that what it's saying is that it's talking about their beauty, their desirability, and it says that Rachel is like a supermodel. She's like a movie star. But Leah, not so much. And so we find that Leah has lived her life in the shadow of her sister, Rachel, who got all the attention from their father, from Jacob, from everyone. Rachel was always in the spotlight, and Leah was alone and neglected in the shadows. Verse 18, so Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, well, it's better that I should give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Seven years, and it seemed like only a few days because of his great love. Guys, listen to me, listen to me. Write this down. Put it on an anniversary card with a dozen roses. I'm telling you, you're good. And so after seven years, verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. Let's just say he is ready. And so, so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. And when evening came, he took his daughter, Leah, wrong daughter, and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her, and Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter Leah as her maid servant. And so we talked about this last week, how all of this came about, how they have a big par wedding party with dining and feasting and drinking, probably a lot of drinking. And so then the bride is presented to Jacob and she comes out with her face covered in a veil and it's dark and they go into a special tent that has been prepared for their wedding night. And they spend the night together and the next morning when the sun arises, Jacob is so excited because finally he gets to look in to the eyes of his beloved Rachel. She's the one he loves. Verse 25, but when morning came, behold, there was Leah. And so Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? 
And Laban replied, well, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years' work, 14 years. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife, and Laban had a servant girl, Bilhah, to Uh, gave to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant, and Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked with Laban another seven years. Now when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now catch this, we did not talk about this part last week, but, but all of a sudden, what it looks like here is that the tables are about to turn. Rachel has always been the special one. Leah has always been the neglected one. But in this society, much of a woman's identity came uh, came from, from having children. And so when Rachel cannot get pregnant, but Leah does. This was finally Leah's chance to get ahead, her chance to get noticed. Leah thinks, ha, finally things are about to change around here. But they do not. Verse 32, and Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And so she named him Simeon. And again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And so he was named Levi. She conceived yet again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, and then she stopped having children. And so last week, we pulled from this story uh, three things that are bad news. We talked about family conflict and jealousy and manipulation and how we can abuse others in in the seeking of our own happiness and our own validation, and and we saw the, the danger of of uh, deceit and manipulation, and uh, it sounds like a great message, right? I promise it ended good. Uh, and if you missed that last week, I want to encourage you to go to mw.church/watch. There's a watch tab uh, tab on our website, and there you can either just watch the the message itself, or you can click from there to YouTube, or just go directly to YouTube yourself and just put in MW Church or Moncton Wesleyan or any of those combinations. And the entire church service from last week will come up on YouTube. But today, we get to the good news. See, all of what we talked about last week was to set up today. And and there are some positive things that we can learn from this story. Two things we're going to look at today. Good news number one is that God uses weak people like you and me. See, some people want the Bible to be filled with people who are good and perfect and never make any mistakes. But that's not what we find, is it? In fact, many of the stories in the Bible are quite embarrassing. 
And here in the story, you have people like Jacob and Leah uh, and, and, and Laban, and Jacob and Laban are uh, abusing and manipulating women. And, and I mean, w- when you see in the Bible these stories of, of polygamy and bigamy, you find that the Bible never encourages this practice, that in fact, when you read these stories in the Bible, you see that it always leads to negative consequences, it, it, that there is always hell when we, we treat women like this. And so there are a lot of stories in the Bible that we struggle with. The Bible is brutally honest about the, the sins and the shortcomings and the bad behavior of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon and on and on and on. We think the Bible should be filled with better people than this. Who never, people who never mess up, people who never make mistakes, but instead we find people whose lives are a mess. And have you ever wondered why is that? And I wonder if it is in great part, because if the Bible was only filled with perfect people who never make mistakes, who never have any problems, who never have any struggles, who never have any pain, do you think we could relate to that? <laughs> But instead, what we find is that the Bible is filled with these stories of how God takes messed up people, and if he can do great things through them, imagine what he can do with someone like you. Amen? Listen, God specializes in taking messed up people who will come to him with all of their hurts and all of their hang-ups and all of their problems, and when we will lay them down at his feet, when we will humble ourselves before him and confess how much we need him, that God comes in and he turns our life around, and what you find is this, that when, when you surrender your life to God and allow him to transform you, then he will turn you around and send you out into this world to become an agent of transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, he put his treasure in jars of clay. Let me translate that for you into more common English. That he put his treasure in all of us crackpots. <laughs> jars of clay that are easily cracked, easily broken, frail and fragile, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Listen, it's from God, it's not you. And so whenever anybody sees you do something great, you do something impressive, and they're like, how in the world did you accomplish that? I know you, you're not that good. (laughs) And you can say, you're absolutely right, I'm not that good, but God is. And it is God's power at work inside of me. And so what do we do when a couple like Jacob and Leah come walking into the church? Because they do, right? Every week with all of their hurts and problems and bondages and addictions and insecurities. And in their own hurt, they end up reaching out and hurting others in the church. And what do we do with people like Jacob and Leah? Let me tell you what we do. We love them because that's the kind of God we serve. We serve the kind of God who can still do great things through people who will surrender to him and he gives us a second chance. 
Good news number two. God has a special love for those whom the world rejects. Now, I know we're not supposed to play favorites and God loves all of us the same. But we also see in scripture that God has a special place in his heart for those who are hurting and rejected and suffering. And what's so beautiful in this story is the amazing realization that Leah comes to in verse 32 to 35, the very end of the story, which is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together. And in order to understand what happens, you have to understand a little Hebrew, because you know that the Bible was not written in English, yes? The Old Testament was written in what language? It was written in Hebrew. And so in English, we tend to just say God all the time, or we will say Lord. And so in the Old Testament, when you read, generally when it talks about God, it either says God or Lord in English. But in Hebrew, there were a lot of different words for the names of God, but there were two primary categories, two primary ways that the Old Testament refers to God. One is Elohim. And Elohim, everybody say Elohim. Oh, look, you're learning Hebrew already. Good job. And so, so this is kind of the generic name for deity. In other words, when it talks about the, Midi the Midianites out there and the Midianites had the gods that they worshiped, it uses the word Elohim. The Philistines had their gods, their Elohim. The Egyptians had their gods, their Elohim. And so it is just the general word for God, Elohim, just kind of a, the general concept of a God who is out there somewhere. But in verse 32, when Leah starts calling out to God in her misery, she does not use the general term for God, Elohim. Instead, she uses the most personal, intense, intimate word for God in the Bible, the name of the most holy God of Israel, Yahweh. And so when you go back to the beginning of the story, you find that when God comes to Abraham and reveals his plan to grandfather Abraham, that God reveals to Abraham this, this most holy, sacred name, Yahweh. It was a personal name, a relationship name. That it, it spoke of their covenant. And so unlike the Elohim, more general kinds of gods out there that the people in the world worshipped, this personal name of the one true God, Yahweh, spoke of a God who wants to have a relationship with his people. Now why is that significant? Because in the birth of her first child and the second child and the third child, when she cries out in her misery, the word that she uses for God, the name that she uses is Elohim, is not Elohim, is Yahweh. In other words, here's what that says to us. It tells us that Leah knew about God's plan. Leah knew about the covenant with Abraham. Leah knew about God, and she is even crying out to God. But notice, where is she trying to get her validation? In the midst of these births of her children, who is she really trying to get the attention of? Is it God? No, who is it? It's her husband. 
And so she names her sons in an attempt to get the attention of her husband. But something happens significant in verse 35. Let's, let's take a running start and look back at it again uh, from verse 32. So the three children, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben for she said, it is because the Lord has seen. Everybody say seen. Because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. Then look at verse 33. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord has heard. Everybody say heard. Because he has heard that I am not loved. He gave me this one too, and so she named him Simeon. And you know what Simeon means? It means one who hears. Somebody hear my cry. And so she names her first son, see me. She names her second son, hear me. Verse 34, and again she conceived, and when she gave birth to the third son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached. Everybody say attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And so she named him Levi. And guess what Levi means? It means joined together or attached. And so with the birth of each child, she is crying out. And with the first child, she, she says, somebody, please see me. And with the second child, she's saying, hey, everybody, hear me. And with the third child, she says, won't someone connect with me? And if you're like me, you look at this story and your heart breaks for Leah until you get to the fourth child. <laughs> and something has changed. Something good. All that we've done over the last week and this week is to get ready for this revelation. Are you ready? All of a sudden, something has happened when she is pregnant with her fourth child. And we don't know what exactly happened. Maybe it is like, like she went to a women's retreat. Maybe she went to church and, and God spoke to her on a Sunday morning. Maybe it was like she was sitting down with a Bible and a cup of coffee. Obviously, these are kind of our context, not necessarily her context, although I hope they had coffee. If God loved them like he loves us, he gave them coffee. Maybe this, this transformation took period over pay, a, play, a period of weeks or, or months or even years, but somewhere in the time before the birth of her fourth son, there was an amazing change that takes place in Leah's life. Verse 35, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. This time, it's going to be different. And so she named him Judah. She named him what? Come on, help me out. She named him what? Which means I will praise the Lord. You see, up until this point in her life, Leah had been trying to get her validation from everybody else. Her father considered her worthless. Her husband was in love with another woman. And her whole life, she had been crying out, won't somebody loves me? But sometime before the birth of her fourth child, all of a sudden, she begins to realize that God already does love her. Now remember, before this, she already knew the name of God. In other words, she was like a lot of church people. She already knew about God. 
She already knew about God's plan of salvation. She already knew the Bible. But like so many of us, in the midst of our outside religion, on the inside, what we are really craving is to fit in and for everybody to accept us and everybody in the world to call us good. And with the first three children, she spoke about God, but what she really wanted was the attention of man. But then all of a sudden, one day, God's love breaks through in her life. And before Judah was born, Leah began to realize that even though her dad did not treat her the way that he should, God was going to be enough. That even though her husband didn't cherish her, God was enough. That even though her sister disrespected her, that God was going to be enough. That even though her children didn't turn out perfect, that God was going to be enough. And this time, this time, she named the child Judah, which means praise be to the Lord. He is enough for me. And that's when God revealed his plan to Leah. That she was special. See, the Lord loved her, and though the world may have rejected her, God still had a plan for her. And so here's what's amazing. When you look at verse 35, you see that she became the seed through which Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come. You see, this child that she named Judah, Judah was the chosen seed of the Messiah. In fact, when you look down through the family history, you see King David. King David, the great king of Israel, came from the tribe of who? The tribe of Judah. In fact, the holy city, Jerusalem, is in a land that they started to call Judea. Why? Because of Judah. The people of Israel to this day are still called Jews. Why? Because of Judah. And most important of all, Jesus himself was called the Lion of Judah. That was his prophetic name. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, born some 1,600 years later, was the Lion of Judah. And Leah got to be the vessel, the seed of the chosen one. And folks, I'm here to tell you something today. God loves Leah's. The world loves Rachel because Rachel's pretty and beautiful and perfect and has it all together. And don't get me wrong, God loves Rachel too. <laughs> Rachel needs Jesus just as much as Leah. God loves Rachel too. But if you are here today and you are like Leah, and it's not just women, guys, we can be like this too where we hunger for the acceptance of others, we're beaten and bruised and we so much want someone to respect us, 
someone to notice us, someone to value us, someone to see us. And you need to know today that God has a special love and a plan for your life. And your parents, your parents may have rejected you. Your spouse may have neglected you. The world may have passed you by. Your kids may have forgotten you. But I'm here to tell you that God loves you and he has a plan for you. He has not forgotten you. So you may find this hard to believe today, but he loves you so much that he drew you to this place today to speak these words to you. It's not too late. Whatever pain you have brought into this place today, it's not too late. Whatever addictions and bondage holds you today, it's never too late. No matter how you thought being accepted by the world would make you happy, and having money and having everything that the world says will make you happy, and yet it has not, and I'm here to tell you, it is not too late, because what the world cannot give you, Jesus can. Would you stand? And so we invite our prayer team to come forward at this point. They have lanyards on and they'll be down here all along the front and they are here to pray with you. In fact, you might even need to just come and pray and even if you don't need a prayer partner, maybe there would be something powerful for you wherever you are today, maybe to walk forward just as an act of commitment and kneel before your Savior and say, Lord, you have spoken to me today and I finally surrender to you to say, you are going to be enough for me. And so we invite you to come as we sing this song. Please, please, don't shut out his voice as he speaks to you today. Run to him and let him heal your heart. Let's sing together.
And so, Father, sense that there is a spiritual battle going on in some people's hearts right now. That God is speaking into your heart and Satan is trying to hold on and screaming lies just as loud, just as loud as the Spirit is speaking truth. And I want to tell you something. You have the choice which voice you will listen to. Will you listen to the voice of freedom today? The voice of deliverance. There is nothing that is too big for Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are right now, And if God is telling you to do something in your heart, listen, there's no outside pressure here. This is between you and God. If God is telling you to do something in your heart, won't you obey him? Because we're here to tell you, we're here to promise to you, his promises are good and he is faithful. And so Heavenly Father, we come to you, all of us, and we surrender. We surrender and invite you to come in and have your way. Lord, we know like Leah so often, we're so worried about what everybody thinks of us. We're so worried about what culture will say about us, what our friends at school, what our friends at work, what our neighbors, what our families will think of us. But Lord, just as you spoke into Leah's heart, would you speak into our hearts today? Speak this truth that you are good and that your love for us is enough. And for anyone who has not made that decision to surrender to Jesus, Remember, the punishment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so right now in your heart, if you want to just confess to him and say, I need you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me so that I can be forgiven. And I surrender to you. Come in and take control of my life. And I promise to follow you and to build my life on the foundation of your word. Lord, we know that whatever battle we're facing, whatever sea is before us, that you can split it wide open and we can walk through it because your perfect fear, your perfect love drives out fear. The enemy's 
fear seems overwhelming and it seems that there is no hope, but when we walk with him, when we walk in his ways, he will split those seas so that we can walk through it. Will you sing those words together? You split the sea so I could walk right through it. Come on now.